The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk to Amy Landecker. Your husband is obviously very politically uh, active. Um, I, I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Let's go bother him now. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> We're waking up Bradley Woodford right now. I love it. Rick, this should be a new bit that we do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, he's in the shower. Oh, this is even better. Honey. What? Oh, and he's naked, so I definitely won't turn Oh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to draw the line here. <laughs> Minutia Men, Celebrity Interview, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and we're back for yet another uh, fun and fact-filled edition of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks for taking some time to listen to us. And Lou, you know, I know you like a good drama. The uh, continuing saga of my Fiat 500 coolant leak is uh, now uh, hopefully finally fixed, but... um, The last time I was talking about this, I had uh, brought it back to the dealer a second time for the leak. So I'll give the Reader's Digest version just to get everyone up to speed again. I bought the car uh, a couple of months ago, and in the first week or two, I noticed there was just a little bit of coolant leaking uh, up front. It looked like it was probably from the lower radiator hose or in that area. So I brought it in under warranty, of course. Uh, it took them two weeks to get parts. They claim that the 2019 parts weren't in stock yet or something like that, whatever. So I brought it back uh, the second time when the parts were in stock. They uh, replaced the lower radiator hose and a couple of clamps, brought it home. A week later, it's still dripping, but in a different way or a different spot, a little farther in back of the um, uh, engine area. So I brought it back and they said that uh, there was a uh, hose clamp they replaced on the coolant bottle, which had nothing to do with what they did before. So I, I was kind of uh, stacking that up to uh, technician error. But anyway, they tightened that down, replaced that clamp. And then a week later, still, I mean, I'm not trying to be nitpicky, but a brand new car should not leak anything you know, when it's parked wherever. Your, your Fiat's known as the PLR. <laughs> probably, very good. So again, just a little bit of leakage. And the, the new, uh, one thing I want to mention too, and as a side, the new coolant that they use in a lot of these cars, it's OAT, O-A-T it's some kind of uh, more environmentally friendly uh, coolant. And it's not as visible, first of all, as the, the bright uh yellow green coolant that we're all used to um oat comes in two different uh colors either orange which is a little more visible or this actual purple color and when it leaks uh when the purple leaks which is what is in my car now you don't see a big puddle of it on the ground you just see some some wetness and if you dab it with a a paper towel it'll it'll show purple but it's not like you know back in the old days when you'd have a big puddle of bright green fluorescent coolant on your driveway or or garage floor and you know that that That's the coolant leaking. So anyway, I brought the uh, car back uh, for the fourth time then. And, um, you know, I talked to the service advisor this time, excuse me, the service manager this time, because I wanted to just totally get him up to speed on everything. And and he was very understanding. He was a good guy. And he actually said something. This is interesting. I don't know if you've paid attention to the kind of uh, hose clamps that they use on modern cars now, Lou. They're called compression clamps. And there's a basic, it's a one-piece design. It's spring spring steel. Yeah, it's spring steel. And you probably have to use this. You could use regular pliers, but there's probably a tool that the technicians use to easily remove. uh, remove those and, and, and reposition them. They're supposed to be better, at least according to Pat Goss on uh, Motor Week, because uh, it distributes the compression on the hose uh, more equally so it doesn't crack uh, or, or threaten to crack. Um, you know, the because pla- so many radiators are plastic now, the, the, the mounting um, necks on there. And the uh, service uh, manager at the Fiat dealer was actually telling me that uh, they've had some leakage with the compression clamps. And I said, that's weird because I, I thought those were supposed to be better. And he said, you know, a lot of times when we get them in on something like you, a uh, problem like your car, we'll 
take off the compression clamps and just put on the regular worm, you know, traditional, what I call a worm clamp, where you screw it with a, a screwdriver. It's got a little worm worm gear that, that tightens up the, uh, the clamp. And that's what they did on my car. So my car has a mix now of probably three or four traditional <laughs> worm, worm type hose clamps and the rest are compression compression clamps and so far the the car is parked outside the uh, car guys report studio right now and uh, there hasn't been any leakage so i'm just keeping my eye on it i think they finally got it and the, the amount of leakage it was doing the, the the third time was just very very minuscule might have even been a little residual but the third time they actually put the dye in the coolant which is the uh, ultraviolet dye that you look with a black light then and any even tiny pinhole leak or speck would just show up real right away. So hopefully that's done. I still love the car. Um, it's a blast to drive as my older one was. And one, one interesting thing, uh, Lou, about the uh, third time, I, I got a loaner this time because I wanted them to keep it for a couple of days to, to make sure that the problem was, was a hundred percent, uh, resolved. And I got a, a, it was funny. He goes, okay, I can give you a Jeep compass or a Jeep Cherokee. And I said, well, the compass is a piece of crap. So I'll take the Cherokee. So, uh, I had a, a Jeep Cherokee it was a good looking vehicle. It was, it didn't look to be any high model because it just said Cherokee. I didn't say limited or anything on it, but it was all black, had the black privacy uh, glass on it. It had dark gray rims and they had a a slight silver pinstripe on it, but nice black leather interior and fully loaded too. It had everything on it, a heated steering wheel, heated heated and cooled seats. Uh, And it's funny because when I got in the car at the dealer and I'm getting ready to drive it back to my house, I, I literally spent 10 minutes turning off all the stupid electronic nannies you know i had to figure out where the automatic start stop was for the engine the blind spot monitoring the automatic cruise control the um lane change uh, you know uh, lane departure warning <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous i spent 10 minutes figure out which switches turn what off so then i was finally in control of the car on the way home and it actually perform pretty well i can see why people buy those things it's it's roomy it's comfortable and i was amazed because i didn't know what kind of engine it had in it so when i got home i popped the hood and then i went to the jeep website to get the specs on it and this one had the two liter turbo engine in it and it's amazing because this thing kicks out two liters of displacement so it's 120 cubic inches this thing kicks out 270 horsepower wow. which is a lot that is great and uh, like 295 pound feet of torque so i'm like wow that's pretty impressive for a two liter because they offer a, a the two liter turbo they offer what the engine they call the tiger shark which is a 2.4 liter uh and that i don't believe that is turbocharged and then the v6 which is not turbocharged and this had the nine speed automatic which they had problems with a few years ago when they first introduced it the software programming wasn't correct and i didn't have any issues it seemed like it was shifting fine and when it should and didn't have any weird like flat spots or anything but i was reasonably reasonably impressed with the vehicle the only thing that really had a kind of had me shaking my head and i know a lot of cars are, are doing this these days and it just brings into question in my mind long-term reliability is almost everything that you control inside the car is done through the touch screen and the center console i mean everything from the heated and cooled seat settings the the steering wheel uh heat the entire climate control system the radio your apps your phone just everything and a lot of stuff to do with the car too because like on the uh, it had a, a semi-digital dashboard it still had analog um tachometer and speedometer and i wasn't crazy about the the needles on there they seemed a little too short but then it had a you know a, a digital gas gauge fuel gauge and center digital part that you could scroll through and it was pretty impressive though that you could get a full complement of digital instruments you could get oil temperature transmission temperature which was surprising um and uh, battery voltage of course you know all your gas mileage stuff but that that part was nice but i just wonder you know if that center console that the, the computer or even the screen goes out you're screwed because you, there's nothing you can adjust manually because usually there, there's redundancy, and I didn't see any, like, redundant buttons for the seat heat and things like that. So I know they've gotten a lot better, but that still is a big question mark in my mind. And we've talked about this previously on the program is, you know, you always have to look for redundancy in these things. So you can do it through the, through the touchscreen if you want, but make sure that there's a switch or a button or something somewhere on the dash, on the center console, on the steering wheel, that you can do the same function that you can do through the center touchscreen because... 
I just, again, wonder, you know, we were talking about those huge digital displays that may be coming to some cars and how reliable those may be. So something just to keep in mind. But reasonably impressed with the Jeep Cherokee as my loaner, so that was good. And I wanted to go back to one point uh, we talked about in a couple episodes ago when you are talking about uh, automotive, weird automotive designs and stuff that was kind of flops or didn't go over too well. And we talked about the Lincoln, Lincoln Blackwood pickup truck. And I wanted to see what the uh, prices were on those uh, Lou, because you were wondering. And they were basically all 2002 uh, models that I found online, averaging about $9,000 used. Some with real high miles, though, some with like 150,000 miles. Um, but 9000 not bad. I mean, you can still get a pretty clean one. They're all the same. They're all black, and they all have the same amount of, of uh, equipment and everything. But I do wanted to, uh, I did want to bring that up and just say that uh, we were wondering where the Blackwood prices were, and about 9000 seemed to be the average. So if you're looking for a cool ride, uh, maybe your son, I think, could uh, be a good Blackwood uh, uh, driver. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> he's 15. He's got his permit. Let's put him in the biggest pickup uh, possible with all luxury parts. That'd be awesome. It'd be pimping at school. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) Also, too, I wanted to mention that one of our loyal listeners, Don, checked in via our email at carguysreport at hotmail.com, and he just said that he continues to enjoy listening to our program. He's the guy that uh, likes to walk his dog and listen to the Car Guys Report uh, at the same time. So appreciate uh, the kind note once again, Don, and thanks for being a loyal listener to the Car Guys Report. And while you're out walking your uh, dog there, Don, be sure to tell a friend, your neighbor, or uh, that other guy walking the dog, about the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And of course, our email address, uh, that uh, is open anytime for your comments, suggestions, complaints, criticisms, uh, praise, anything you want to uh, tell us, please do at Report at hotmail.com. You know, that that reminds me, when you're walking your dog or even if you're married, this is a great show to just put on with your wife, you know, in the background. So you're like, listen, honey, I'm listening to these guys. So talk your about, wife talk, is in the background about, and the show is up talk front. Talk about safe. You know, this is this is like uh, this is like marital counsel. Well, this is you know, SFW, this, suitable for work. Yeah, suitable for work, <laughs> suitable for, for keeping relationships alive. You know, are you looking at that? No, I'm I'm listening to the car guys. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Good husband. Yeah. Good husband. <laughs> so that's where you're getting all those ideas about those cars you want to buy. Exactly. <laughs> Wanted to talk a little bit. Something I came across online uh, recently. Uh, some stats from 2019 on Porsche sales and production figures, and I found some of these interesting because a lot of the German makes. It's sometimes hard to find accurate production figures or sales figures on some of their cars and some interesting stats some of this isn't real surprising but it's still interesting nonetheless in 2019 suvs made more made up more than two-thirds of porsche's u.s sales really yeah and that's up from less than one-third in 2010 so in nine years they've more than doubled yeah it's unbelievable and the uh the macan Obviously, is their cheapest SUV starts around fifty one thousand dollars, and the cheapest Cayenne now is about sixty seven thousand um, dollars. And they say that both are significantly cheaper than the nine eleven, of course, which has a starting price of ninety seven thousand four hundred. Uh, it says the brand sports cars are priced higher largely because of their premium materials, robust powertrains, and design. But um, they said that. This shift in, in increased SUV sales has also bolstered overall Porsche sales, which have doubled from 29,023 vehicles in 2011 to 61,568 vehicles in 2019. So that's amazing. You know, I remember when they first came out, and uh, transparently, I, I just thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I never did. I never thought it was a dumb idea. Well, here's why. Because when I think Porsche... I think nine eleven sure. racing, yeah. cornering, just having fun, and you know. And then I thought, are we really taking our sports car and turning it into an SUV? I mean, I was just like uh, appalled, you know. I mean, it, it's uh, you know taking a supermodel and 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 you know giving her a parka and and snow boots and and sitting her down in a in a cottage. You know, I won't go too far with this, but my point is that <laughs> that how can you take something so beautiful? Yeah. This is my point, and then turn it into an SUV. Are we really coming? Out? And now, what's happened is, of course, everybody's doing it. 
Rolls Royce. Uh, uh, we've got the Urus on Lamborghini. Yeah, the Lamborghini, Maserati, um, Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of so, luxury high-end SUVs. And yeah. performance-oriented, though, too. I mean, like a Cadillac SUV, to me, they never made a performance version of that. So the stuff that, that competes with the Cayenne are the stuff like the Lamborghini, the Maserati, the Alfa Romeo, uh, maybe the Bentley Bentagia a little bit, but that that's all, almost in another stratospheric category. Uh, along with the uh, Rolls-Royce Coulinon. But then a lot of Mercedes SUVs, the AMG models, are pretty balls to the wall, too. Yeah. So, I mean, um, sometimes you never see this coming. You know, there used to be a time when gym shoes were cheap. And, you know, now your gym shoes are more expensive than any, you know, high-end luxury shoe just about now. Of course, you can get extreme with that. But, you know, if you walk into Macy's, you can buy a decent pair of leather shoes for, you know, 79 bucks. And if I walk into Foot Locker, I can buy a decent pair of gym shoes for 190 bucks. So uh, my, my point is just that I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be all that great. And, and now it's, you know, these numbers, two-thirds their sales. Yeah. And the, and but the it's basically the thing that, that, that saved the company because no, no, I got it. they needed the money. And it's it's been a big hit. And, and they've, they've managed to keep... You know, the, the 911, they keep evolving that, which is amazing for a car that's 60 years old and it still has the same basic mm-hmm. shape as it did 60 yeah. years ago, but it's been, you know, thoroughly updated and they can continue to do that. And they're doing that now with the SUVs and we'll be seeing it more with their electric vehicles too. But uh, it says here in 2019, uh, Porsche had its best SUV sales year ever. Uh, the brand's total SUV sales, as we said before, rose 22% from 2018 to 41,668. And the first and second best-selling vehicles were F- SUVs by a long shot for Porsche. The Macan was number one with 22,667. Cayenne was a shade under that at, at 19,000. And the brand's best-selling car was the 911, not the Panamera um, a sedan. The 911 sold uh, 9,265 vehicles in uh, 2019. So, uh, you know, those are one half to, you know, whatever, about half the, the amount, which makes sense because, you know, two-thirds of the, the volume is with the SUVs. But it's an interesting um, thing to look at because, uh, and they, they keep saying that it's basically going to, you know, Porsche believes Porsche fans will embrace the new wave of battery-powered vehicles because the brand is following a similar playbook from its transition to SUVs by fer- focusing first on an electric sports car in, the, in what we're calling the Taycan, although that is a four-door sedan, before turning to its first electric SUV, which we'll, you know, be seeing, I'm sure, in, a, in a, another couple years. But just real interesting things to just contemplate. They were on the bleeding edge of it. They pissed off a lot of people originally thinking, like you're saying, like, what the heck is Porsche doing this for? Why do we but, stick a 911 front end on an SUV? Well, it's just, it, you know, even when I bought my, my Cayenne used, I bought it, it just about six years ago uh, used. And I even told the guy at the, at the, at the place that I bought it from, I said, I can't believe my first Porsche is, like, is an SUV, not a 911, because I always wanted a 911. Of course, the 911 came four years later, but uh, it's just funny that it, it, you know, it works that way. But uh, they've got a good product, and they continue to refine it, and I think it's, it's interesting that it's been a big success what, for them. What year is yours? It's a 2008. When did they first start coming they out? They came out in 2004, mm. and uh, 2008 they did a mild... Uh, not a total redesign, but just a refresh, uh, mm-hmm. front and rear fascias. And then the, the, the second generation Cayenne came out, I, I want to say in 20, 2011, 2012, 2013-ish. And then they just debuted the third generation last year. So they're on the third generation. I think the Macan is getting ready for a, for a second generation um, redo because that's already about five years old already now, mm-hmm. too. So... Um, and you know, it seems funny because, you know, some car manufacturers like Tesla, this is interesting, too, because I read a head-to-head between the Tesla Model S and the Porsche Taycan, both electric cars competing in the same uh, basic same uh, category there. And, you know, the, the Model S was introduced in 2012, and it really hasn't been significant. It's been upgraded, but design-wise, it really hasn't changed at all in eight years, which is an eternity these days in in, in 
automotive, you know, freshening and redesigns and things like that. So I think we should probably be seeing a, a little bit of a, a redesign or something like that coming along from Tesla at some point because it's a great looking car. It still is, but just to stay uh, relevant in that uh, category, um, you know, you have to just keep freshening your product, as they say. Uh, another product. Uh, topic that we talked about uh, many episodes ago here on the Car Guys Report was the increasing cost of repairing cars these days at body shops due to what is being called the acronym ADAS, which stands for Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. We did that one segment, Lou, when I was at my body shop. The guy that's working on my uh, Firebird was telling me about all the things that they have to watch out for now, things they have to get recalibrated, cameras, sensors. you got to be careful not to put too many coats of paint on a bumper because it can make the parking sensors not work. And half the stuff that they can't do, they either have to send it to a dealer or we had that one segment a while back on these companies that are mobile ADAS people that come to the body shop and calibrate the sensors and the, the you know systems in the car so the body shop doesn't have to take the cars on their own to a dealer. And uh, Consumer Reports did a uh, report uh, that came out a little while ago about the increasing costs and of these uh, repairs on these modern cars and it says here you know repair costs have been going up in recent years as vehicles become more expensive to repair technology has been evolving at a faster rate than some repair shops can keep up with in terms of new equipment and training and this is really interesting windshield chips and cracks can be repaired with the resin you know the where you get like a chip so they don't have to replace the whole thing they put a clear resin in there and it just fills in the spot to prevent spider webbing but resin shouldn't be used in those areas that house cameras to work optimally a DAS requires greater glass clarity for the cameras. Uh, also, too, in the past, minor bumper damage could be repaired by filling scratches and gouges, then spot painting, but body filler compound and fresh paint could impair vehicle sensors, so some bumper repairs now require the, the more costly option of replacing the entire bumper cover, which totally jives with what my body guy has told me. And I think that surprises you because a lot of times they do a lot of uh, uh, Asian uh, cars in their shop, a lot of insurance work. And every time I go in there, there's like a Hyundai or a Toyota or something in there. And those aren't real high-end, real expensive cars. And somebody with a relatively minor uh, repair thinking it'll only cost, you know, maybe a 1000 or 1500 repair, and they get a, you know, they're not paying it necessarily because it's insurance, but it's like $3,500 because they're replacing a whole bumper cover and they have to get the sensors recalibrated and things like that. Uh, the article goes on. This is interesting. Damage to headlight and taillight assemblies and side mirrors can even be similarly expensive. Side mirrors often contain cameras and other electronic parts such as flashing warning lights. Uh, Tim Cook, who's an owner of a body shop in Richmond, Virginia, said 10 years ago, our average repair ticket was about $1,600. Now it's over 4000 and that's just in a 10-year period. Some vehicles require sensor calibrations as part of a wheel alignment so that adaptive cruise control sensors can work properly. I mean, it just never ends. The National Institute of Automotive Service Excellence, an organization that certifies technicians, told Consumer Reports it's developing a credential for repair technicians working on these advanced driver assistance systems so that they will be competent at uh, diagnosing, repairing, and calibrating equipment. And the first credentialed tests won't be ready until 2021 and to really drive home the point of what we're talking about here lou um the uh, consumer reports ran a couple of uh scenarios here front bumper basic bumper repair 700 to 1800 dollars sensor and camera replacements 500 to 1900 recalibration 250 to 600 headlights and taillights halogen assemblies two to 500 led assemblies 750 to 1500 which is amazing, and that's a lot. Recalibration, 100 to 250. Um, here's one for the windshield replacement. ADAS-capable windshield, 700 to $1,500. Sensor and camera replacements, 800 to 1900 Recalibration, 250 Basic bumper repair, 700 to $1,800. Sensor and camera replacements, 1000 to 2500 Recalibration, 250 and up. 
side mirror placements with an advanced driver assistance system. A standard mirror would be three to five hundred. Mirrors with an ADAS, a thousand to twenty five hundred. Plus, for plus recalibration. Mirror. Yeah, because it's got a camera or, or the blind spot monitoring things in it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And like I said, I mean, I kind of felt that we were ahead of the curve here a little bit on the Car Guys report because we were talking about this months ago, uh, and then it was it was neat to see that Consumer Reports came out with with the exact same thing that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said I always enjoy going into the body shop and you know checking up, of course, on the progress of the Firebird, but then seeing what they've got in there and, and what they're doing because it's just it's not going to get any better because these cars are getting so i mean i was telling all the stuff that the jeep cherokee had on it and that's not a real high-end car that starts at like 25 grand so it's just you know that's why a car like your viper is nice no abs brakes yeah no mirror problems <laughs> yeah right? nothing you're not looking at anybody in the rearview mirror anyway exactly except the and, people and I, that you just blew past right i do want to say consumer reports is probably listening into our show mark so well, they have a podcast as well yeah, so well they that's secondary probably to ours, but uh, <laughs> I'll be getting a note from them shortly. What's our website? What's, 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 what's our carguysreport at hotmail.com. Yeah, so well, they, they put, put them on the spam list. But <laughs> um, so, so anyway, but, but the point is that, uh, uh, you know, I've got a, uh, I mentioned earlier, a 15-year-old who's going to be getting insured here as soon as, he may never get insured, yeah. actually. <laughs> I may keep him on that permit for at least 25. But uh uh, I think it's going to be an additional $100 a month wow. just to have him on, on, your the, policy? on the policy. Yeah. So, um, you know, you when you lis- listen to what these expenses are, all of a sudden that, that somewhat makes sense. And somebody's got to pay for it. So It's just, it's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, I never had any idea until I was talking to him. I never really thought about it that, you know, they'd be that sensitive that if you put too much paint or, you know, don't have something aligned just right, you know, it's not going to work. Have you ever had any problem with that? I have, um, actually the, I've been the only, I haven't had a problem, but the experience I had is a couple of years ago, I actually, uh, had an accident with my Mercedes and I can just, uh, say that the prices that they were listing in that a consumer reports article are very true i mean a headlight assembly and they put a, a used one and not even a new one i mean it looks brand new and i think the price was still like twelve hundred dollars or something mm-hmm. for that and then to get the headlights recalibrated they had to take the body shop Crazy. had to take it to the dealer yeah and that was probably another three hundred dollars just for the headlight calibration it's yeah, yeah it's nutty and yeah. you don't think about that well, especially the, the thing that surprises are the mirrors because the mirrors today seem like they're they're big ears sticking out and they have so much complication, and they've got you know motors in the mirrors like, like well, they got heaters, they got uh, auto dimming a lot of times. They have yeah, the, the motors sen- retractables, the little, sen- the little sensors on the side showing you a car's coming. Yeah, the blind spot yeah. stuff, uh, turn signals, so, uh, and then cameras are coming in, in oh, side yeah. view mirrors too. You, you, so you take a you take a mirror out today, and that's that's big dollars. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. So de- definitely a, something that I'm sure we'll talk about more down the line. But it's interesting to see. Um, that this is becoming something that people are are actually noticing now because I did read too the other stat that the average price of a new car has increased yet again to thirty nine thousand dollars for average price of a new car, which my, is just unbelievable. I, I never have to worry though about my wife with mirrors because <laughs> she every, never looks. Every, every every one of them are pointed towards her <laughs> yeah. in the car, so I never have to worry about side mirrors being taken off. What's that website? So she, what's that? What's car that guys, car guys report at hotmail dot com. You see something coming in from Donna. Put yeah. that in the spam, too. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll let you know. <laughs> We're at the uh, point in the program where we like to talk about a car that was recently for sale or sold online via one of the many places that you can uh, look at cars online, like Hemmings. A Bring a Trailer, of course, is the one that we tend to focus on a lot. And this is another one that was on Bring a Trailer. And it's one of these really funky cars. I think in an episode of Top Gear many years ago, James May, they had one of their challenges where they each had to buy a car and, and do some kind of rally or something. I think James May bought one of these in one of, that, in one of those episodes. The 1971 Citroen Amy 8 Wagon, A-M-I 8 Wagon. And it's a really funky-looking thing. It looks kind of like a looks like a little uh, surfboard kind of on wheels. It's, it's a <laughs> jaunty little car. I like it. I love the front end. Jaunty. Yeah. All right, so Lou's job is to describe what we're looking at here. So imagine you've got a a big-eyed car with a uh, kind of awe-inspired open grill mouth with a indented hood, not 
out, not not out. So the hood top is not sticking up. It's actually inverted like a like a U. And then the um, uh, a very windowed view section it looks almost like a, an old Volvo or something mm-hmm. with the windows all the way around. Good greenhouse it. and uh, some nice inserts in the sides of it, like a '50s Corvette, where the insert comes all the way. A cove, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I must say, stylish handles that were not sticking out. They look like you have to stick your hand in them and kind of pull them up to... Uh, I love the look of the car. I love the, the kind of uh, almost skirted rear fender well opening. The, the skirt, the skirted rear end looks like a Citroen, yeah. like you think about it. Or Citroen. Yeah, Citroen. Citroen. And then... Um, but uh, the wheels on it look like they would fit on a wagon. I mean, they're Yeah, they're probably, just pressed steel. I think I could literally just cut my hand and put them on both my thumb on the one inside mm-hmm. of the wall and the thumb on the other side. So uh, this would not look like a car that we would tour in uh, anywhere far. Well, it's, it only has, I believe, the same drivetrain that the 2CV had. Yeah, it's got only a, okay. a 600cc flat 2, a four-speed gearbox. This one was showing, of course, they always send bring a trailer to cover cover their butt which is understandable true mileage unknown but it says it says twenty four thousand kilometers shown which is about hmm. fifteen thousand miles yeah. it's cream with a blue pinstripe and it sold for sixteen thousand nine fifty hmm. and i said uh, i think it's a good good price for both the buyer and the seller because first of all i mean if you take this thing to a cars and coffee or a car show You'll be the only guy there in this thing, and you won't see another one of these things. I don't think I've ever seen one of these in real life I've never anywhere. Seen yeah, it's a very cool-looking car. So um, I don't well, know if I'd agree with you on the cool-looking. I mean, usually cars. Well, look, I like weird stuff, though. Well, that's what we've got yeah. there. So it's it's definitely fits into the weird, unusual category. Sure. Um, and I will say, cars always get better looking with age. That's a 1971. And, I think right. it looks pretty good. I think in 71, if you saw it you wouldn't be excited about it. But I think today I'd agree with you that if you saw that, I, I, personally, I would run, I would be running up to it saying, what the heck is yeah. this? What do you have? <laughs> well, well, next time that you find one of these, Lou, you'll know what it is. The 1971 Citroen Amy 8 Wagon. It sold on Bring a Trailer for 16950 So uh, well bought and well sold. That's, you know, some people ask, well, how can a car be well bought and well sold at the same time? And I was like, well, I think both the buyer and the seller got a good deal. It's possible. And and, and in particular, I mean, this one is an extremely... It looks, it looks great, yeah. yeah it looks I like mean, it's if it's truly has only 15,000 miles on it. It looks brand new. Um, So, cool. And and again, if you're not familiar with the uh, website, uh, auction website, Bring a Trailer, it's bringatrailer.com. Always have about 200 uh, plus active car auctions on there and some really cool stuff that you can find on there. A lot of uh, JDM, Japanese domestic market vehicles, uh, roll through there. A lot of uh, high-end European cars, a lot of Porsches. Uh, some classics, some oddball European stuff like the Citroen we just talked about. So definitely, if you haven't checked it out, uh, do so because I think you'll be excited. As as you're you know you're a car guy, you're listening to the Car Guys Report, and that's what we do here. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the program Back to You. It's an Opi show, legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and the long list of things that bug them. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. It's back to you. You can check it out on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can go to opishows.com. That's O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits, and it'll plug you right into the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and that's where you can find us as well. The Car Guy Report informed automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. And Lou, we've got a couple of fun uh, topics to talk about next. And this one came out, this is another one of our famous lists that we like to do. And this was came from uh, an outfit called Auto Next NXT. It's one of these uh, places that pops up every now and then online with certain automotive related things. They were calling this automotive turkeys. We're going to divide this up into two parts. We'll do part uh, one here. And they they didn't really define what a turkey was. So I, I wanted to kind of uh, precursor uh, this with it could either be maybe something that was a bad design, not aesthetically pleasing. Maybe the car suffered from uh, poor sales. Maybe it was just not a good car, you know, dynamically, uh, reliability wise. Um, maybe it was just something that 
wasn't a sales hit, obviously. It's very so open-ended, So I let guess. me ask some questions. How yeah. many cars are on this list? Uh, it's uh, about 20. 20. So yeah. we're going to do 10. Yeah. Okay. So and they're not in any kind of order. So they're just... And some of these I can definitely say are that, they, that are they're they, how many, turkeys. How but many are American cars? It's a mix of probably 50%. Okay. Yeah. All right. So can I guess an early turkey? Sure. Uh, Pinto. That is on the list, but it's, I think it was on the, the second half of the list. Okay. I think it, it was, on, yeah, it's on the second half of the list. Okay. So Vega. Uh, you know, I, it's the weirdest thing. I was thinking about this last night, and for some reason, the Vega, it, I don't think it's on here. Because and and it should one, be. Because there's one worse that made the Vega look great. Which is the Chevette. Well, the Chevette, yeah, but the, the Vega had is all... The, is the Chevette on the list? Uh, no. Really? No. I, you know, again, this is, uh, these lists are, are, are lists that we find online, and we always add to them, like you're doing right now. <laughs> and sometimes we think, you know, that doesn't really belong on the list, or maybe it does, or notable omissions, like you're saying, uh, the Vega. And I was thinking, we had a Vega. We had a 72 Camback wagon, green, and that was a little two-door Vega wagon. We bought it secondhand with only like 6,000 miles was on it, it. Did it have an automatic? or a It stick? was an automatic. And... You know, the Vegas, the two things that I remember the Vegas being known for were overheating because they had an all-aluminum four-cylinder engine, and they just rusted like nobody's business. And I think it's part, part of that was because I think they had started using water-based paint, and they didn't have it exactly figured out. We never had any overheating problems with that car, but the, the guy that bought it from us when my dad decided to sell it had overheating problems. But we had rust problems big times. The, 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 the doors and the front fenders were both replaced. And they, I mean, they literally just turned to dust. I mean, they just rusted through like anything. It was unbelievable. And and it was yet, only like two or three years yet, after the car was made. And yet that's not on the list. No, I don't know why, but I don't see it. Again, it's like you know, these aren't... They need to talk to the car guys before before they do some of these lists. Well, who, who, well, who did this list? This was, I'd say, Auto NXT. Auto. So Auto Next, I guess, is the... Get, get me their email. I want yeah. to talk to them next, <laughs> yeah, actually. Well, Auto NXT. Okay, get um, but it. I'll dot, just, dot com. I'll just start the, the list here, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll debate here a little bit. Pontiac Aztec. That's a, that's a, pretty, oh, God. That's a pretty obvious one. One of the one. few cars that doesn't get better with age. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it was ugly then, and it was ugly now. Although it does look a little like... Some of the BMW X Series SUVs look well, a little it, like the Aztec now. It, it it goes into your category of unusually odd and or unique. ugly. Yeah, uh, the third generation Ford Taurus. They said they they were considered hmm. an automotive turkey, and I think because of of the fact that it wasn't selling as well as as when they first came out. And as if I remember correctly, the third gen was just all rounded off. It was just like had no. It just looked like a blob. Well, it was a jelly bean, but yeah. But I mean, uh, really rounded though but you know i mean give the first of all the taurus would never fit on the turkeys list the taurus was always one of those um indestructible fords that was front wheel drive and could be dependable and likable it wasn't big on styling but it was cutting edge in in the mid 80s when it came out because yeah. it was aerodynamic though. right right yeah so i mean it and they sold them ton of them i mean yeah, right I, I don't see that as an automotive turkey uh this one is i can see why it's on the list i'm saying no way for it but it was on the list because of what we'll talk about in a minute, the Chevy Corvair. Now, that was not a bad car. It was obviously on the list because of Ralph Nader, unsafe at any speed with the swing axle rear end and the propensity for the car, if you're really bombing it down the road and take a turn, that it could spin out of control or roll over or whatever. But, again, I mean, subject to debate. But The poor man's Porsche. The Jaguar X-Type. Remember that? It was basically a rebodied Ford Contour. They made it from 2001 to 2009, and it basically looked... I thought it actually looked good, though. It looked like a downscaled version of the XJ, you know, a little sedan, but it was basically a, a Ford Contour, and the Ford Contour is a pretty forgettable car. Hmm. A car that I almost bought before I bought my Aston Martin made the list, and this one's surprising. I call it the red-headed stepchild of the Ferrari family, the Ferrari 400i. Now, that car was... A two-door coupe with a V12, and 
most of them came with a three-speed turbo hydromatic 400 in it some had uh manuals uh but it was the first it was the first ferrari with an automatic and it, like i said it was the gm turbo hydromatic uh for i believe it was a 400 in there uh, it was a cool car i've always liked the the styling of it it's it's very angular it's got a big kind of high roof it's got the v12 in it doesn't have timing belts so you don't have to worry about that and they've always been uh, one of the more affordable uh, Ferraris. You could go to Hemmings right now, and you could find a whole bunch for sale. Um, in the they they seem like it bumped up a little bit, but I've seen them as low as forty thousand, thirty five thousand. I almost bought mine. I was ready to pay a whopping ten to eleven thousand for it because it had been sitting for a while. It needed a few things, but the guy that bought it paid I think ten grand. I think he put maybe another ten grand into it, and he had a, a running, driving, good looking car. And I was tempted. I, I priced out the exhaust system on that thing, $8,000 for an exhaust, which I thought it might need. So I'm in, in, in hindsight, I'm glad I went with the Aston Martin. But the 400i made the list. I would not say that was an automotive turkey. Uh, this one definitely is the VW Rutan. It was a rebadged Chrysler town and country uh, minivan. So I think Brooke Shields was uh, one of the spokespersons for those in the ads. And I don't know how many they sold, like five or six maybe, because you never see them anywhere. And I don't know why Volkswagen. It was kind of like a stopgap after they started stopped making the Eurovan and they felt they needed something uh, that was a people mover. So they rebadged a Chrysler town and country of all things and called it the Rutan. Uh, another car that I would say it's an oddball, not necessarily a turkey. I never really liked the styling. The Mercedes-Benz C230 hatchback. It uh, ran from 2002 to 2007. I call it an oddball just because it was a relatively forgettable car. Uh, you see them on the road here and there nowadays. It's a hatchback. It's a kind of a narrow-looking car. It had a little, I think it had a 2.3-liter four-cylinder in it. And just never really sold well or, or did much here in the States. So that made the list. Now, this one you would probably disagree with, Lou. The Plymouth Prowler. Oh, come on. Uh, I said no. But I can see why they they put it on the list. A friend of mine bought one last summer. He already sold it. But that car has no cargo carrying capacity whatsoever. That's why they actually sold an an actual accessory trailer that you would tow with the Prowler. And that's why the Prowler comes, I believe, standard from the factory with a tiny little uh, box end receiver on the back. Uh, Basic, I don't even think it had a glove box. I mean, very, very impractical, basically. Well, I... I don't get a prowl. Well, I wouldn't get a prowler for cargo. Yeah. At the same time, though, I think the only thing that would when you said turkey, the only thing that made me think turkey is the V six in there. Oh, yeah, that was pretty. So you know, you, you have a you have an extremely good looking hot rod. Yeah. Big back slicks. Yeah. You know, front fenders covering these cycle fender, fenders in front. Yeah. Cycle big, fenders big, with you big know, wide tires. Yeah. yeah it was a cool looking car. Cool looking car, and then you put no power in. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? So. Um, With that famous V6 sound that I like so much, too. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't perform very well. Uh, Another one that came out about the same time that the Prowler came out, and this one, blink and you'll miss it, the Chevy SSR. Now, that was the kind of retro version of the advanced design pickup trucks from the late 40s and early 50s, but with a LS uh, Corvette engine in it. It had a retractable hardtop. Um I said yes and no. I mean, they're, again, it's fairly impractical. Um, I think it will have some collectability down the line, though, because they didn't make a lot of them. Oh, definitely. And I can't. I think I no, see them a, occasionally a, at a car show. Not but. a turkey. Definitely and not. And then this one, obviously. The last two this, are not getting turkey the, Well, this is the last one on, on the first part of the list. Then we'll, we'll dive into the second part of the list next episode. And this one, obviously, is pretty, pretty obvious. The Yugo. Okay, well. Thirty nine ninety nine, I believe, or thirty nine ninety five was the price when it was introduced here in the states. And I said, "Always bash gets no respect." It was based on a Fiat. It was built in Yugoslavia at a munitions factory. The design of the car wasn't bad. I think it was just the quality of the assembly was what caused it to have its bad reputation because it was a dirt cheap car. People were probably expecting too much of it anyway. And when it started breaking down or didn't perform, it was super slow. I mean, it got good gas mileage. It was reasonably uh, roomy for what it was. It had a you know a, a hatch in the back that would open up, and but it's just a car that again you never see anymore because they all got junked. I'm sure, but the Yugo just never gets any respect, and I kind of feel sorry for it. So, 
Well, let, let's go. Okay, automotive turkeys in the first ten. Uh, I'm just. You're only picking like two or three that you think the Aztec. That was one. Yeah. Okay, that one. The I VW Rutan definitely. Um, I don't even remember that. Yeah. Well, it's, like but, I said, it's forgettable. So. But but the but and so it is. But and then the Yugo. I could agree with those. Uh, those two, but the other ones, you know, when you say, when you're talking about automotive, you know, turkeys, you, you don't put the word Ferrari and Mercedes on the list. I mean, <laughs> well, I agree with the Mercedes. I don't agree with the 400i, and I there's one for that's probably the Ferrari I know the most because I'm not a, a Ferrari uh, expert by any means, but I did take a pretty hard close look at a 400i because I almost bought one. So, yeah. and I always thought it's a good looking car and they are coming up in price. They're kind of being recognized more. I think the two lowest priced Ferraris that you can get into right now on the used market would be the 400i and then the Mondial. And those are the two that are the most affordable at this point. And they're, they can both be had for less than $50,000. So, Something to think about, but we'll cover part two of the turkey list and more of Lou's musings about what the heck is that on the list for? That's not a turkey in the next episode of the Car Guys Report. And hey, speak of the devil, we've got a turkey delivery at the front door of the Car Guys Report studios. I think it's that lunch we ordered. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands and if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. I Cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah, I know. Come on, people. And with that, we have a special message from actress, comedian, and fan favorite, Milana Vintrue. I just want to wish the people of Chicago a safe, warm, peaceful stay at home. Please stay healthy. Please help other people stay healthy by staying home. Stay safe, Chicago. Thanks, Milana. Thank you. Guys, seriously, you can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. If you missed Losano or Los. Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. I feel like you go into a motel, you just search for cameras instantly. That's <laughs> got to be like your first reaction. Anywhere you intend to be nude, you should just check. I mean, you just don't be nude in a motel. Well, I no, feel like I, that'd be smart. I, I should just not true. get changed or take a shower. No, I no. think, wait, but you're, I think you're missing my point. I'm worried that I'm not going to be on camera. Mm. I want footage of me. You're the only one who wants to be filmed uh, unknowingly doing something ridiculous. Right, because I would be curious. Wouldn't you be curious to see what you do? No. Yeah, like just the mundane. Right. That's how I spend my time. You, sp you spend four hours doing that? Why? Oh. As you fast forward, you go, I'm not even moving. Look <laughs> at that. I am stationary for hours. <laughs> I didn't even get up and that bag just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the f*** it's called. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable and... We're having uh, some fun here. We just talked about uh, automotive turkeys. Lou's kind of shaking his head about that, but I think you'll get a you'll get a uh, a charge out of this one. This came from Hemmings Classic Car. It's a magazine that I uh, subscribe to, and they recently, in the last year or so, they had discontinued publication of their sports and exotic car magazine, and they blended it into the Hemmings Classic Car magazine, and they kind of. It annoyed some people because Hemmings Classic Car was traditionally just American only, and then it now has, every issue has two or three stories on imported cars. And I think it's a great addition because it's like getting the best of both magazines in one. And I think most people are coming around to the fact that they're doing this, and it's been a, I think it's been a winner. But that has nothing to do with what I'm going to start talking about. I just wanted to just clarify what Hemmings Classic Car is in this day and age. This came from... Pat Foster, who's one of their uh, editors, he's actually, uh, if you don't know the name, Lou, uh, Pat Foster is probably the most renowned expert on the American Motors Corporation. He's written a bunch of different books. He's got a huge personal archive of AMC uh, memorabilia, mm. and he always talks about 
interesting things in his uh, editorials. And this one... I, I want to pause you for sure. a second. There's, well, you started the show Informed Automotive, fun and educational. Mm-hmm. Is that it for, for fun and informative? What was it? Fun and... Informed automotive. Informed. Yeah, automotive. we don't we don't put but, anything after but, that. But, but then but. you said it was it, fun, fun and fun, educational, informative. Educational. Yeah, the educational part. I'm always <laughs> at awe when you bring up stuff like stuff this. like Pat Foster well, being well, the AMC well, expert. Well, I mean, you know, if you if you know him, he's probably the man. I don't. Yeah, I've never met the man. But, but I'm just I saying the fact that you bring these you know pieces to the to the table does make the car guys report. The informed automotive. That's good. I'm, I'm yes. clearly here for good. the fun. Good. Yeah, you are. For the good. Informative. Go ahead. But this was in his <laughs> uh, recent issue of the, uh, and we've all been down this road. Uh, basically, says the title of the editorial was "What They Meant," and basically what we're talking about here is we've all seen a, an ad for cars like uh, you know for sale 1990 Corvette, low miles, uh, super clean, 8500, and then you go to look at it and you're like. What's his definition of super clean and low miles, 150,000? Yeah, right. Well, the car's 40 years old. Right. <laughs> so Pat Foster did this. Uh, I'll just run down. It says, what the ad says and what it really means, and this is hilarious, stored in same location for 30 years. What it really means, it was in a field. <laughs> Needs complete restoration. What it really means, it's a parts car. <laughs> Extremely rare. One of only 3,000 with twin cigarette lighters. <laughs> A genuine survivor. It's in pretty bad shape. Selling due to illness. My wife's sick of it. (laughs) Has a lovely patina. It's dented and rusty and the paint is bad. Recent convertible top. It was new 10 years ago. Partially rebuilt engine. I replaced the water pump 12 years ago. 90% restored. Just needs paint, interior brakes, and engine work. Divorce sale. My wife let me uh, left me because because of this money pit. <laughs> Project car. You're never going to finish this. <laughs> a classic. It's a Rambler classic. An appreciating classic. It's ten years old. Some rust. The floors are gone. Rolls down the road fine. Has no engine or brakes. <laughs> Shows forty five thousand miles. I didn't. I would never admit the real mileage. Needs interior love. Has no interior. Completely original. Never maintained. <laughs> That's a good one. Restoration started. I took a lot of parts off and lost them. Would make an excellent rat rod. Not enough left to restore. <laughs> and the last one needs interior restoration. No instrument panel or seats. <laughs> so that's just... Yeah. I mean, it's... And, well said. And one of the ones that I liked that I've, I've seen for many times is ran when parked. <laughs> and that could be what forty years ago, <laughs> or or I remember there was one that 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 uh, I saw a long time ago too. Wants to run, <laughs> wants to run. wants to run. If you spray enough a carb uh, starting fluid into the carb, then it wants to run. Wants but to will run. it keep? Will it keep uh, running? And um, that was good, my friend. Um, and fellow uh, Car Guys Report uh, guest, Bill Kubik, he's our 1958 Buick specialist. Uh, he and I, um, way back in the uh, early 90s, went to look at uh, some cars that were for sale in the northern part of Illinois. And this guy that had them, he had a couple of 58 Buicks, so that's why he wanted to look. And we called him uh, up and said, you know, we want to come out and look at the cars. What kind of shape are they in? And he said, quote, oh, they're all running, driving cars. This was circa 1992. So we make the trip. It was actually in Rockford. We make the trek up there. And literally every single car on his lot, which is basically a field, kind of like what Foster was saying, was up to its uh, axles in mud. No tires. You know, there's no way these were running driving cars. And it's just like what people do to gild the lily or whatever you want to, you know, good ad copy, whatever you want to call it. We've all been there. And it's just like... It, that's why I thought this was such an apropos uh, column because we've all been there. We've all seen these ads. We get out there. It's like mint condition. What a junior mint under the seat or something. <laughs> what is that? Have you ever? Do you have any ones that stand out in your mind? Because I assume you've you've looked at enough of used cars in your lifetime where they may have been slightly misrepresented, so to speak. Or well, I, I want to use the opposite of the misrepresentation, and that's one of the things that is. Uh, why I started the YouTube channel is because a lot of times you 
when you, uh, you know, photographs even when they put it together with the ad sometimes can be misleading. They forget to show you the side that, sure. the, that, the, that the semi-truck rode yeah. down. So I have seen some of those. Um, but when you're doing a video of the entire car, a lot of times that's I've had people call me up and say, is that thing for sale from someone else? So, um, yeah, there's there's always the automotive turkey and there's always something that's missing. And there's there's always, you know, I think what, co- that what it comes down to is one person's idea of needs restoration mm-hmm. or mint condition is not necessarily what you and I would think our rec- our you know rendition yeah. of that would be yeah. so just caveat emptor Don, i guess would, is Donna the... would say she's in perfect condition and she'd look at me and say needs restoration <laughs> that's how that would work okay very good if you like the car guys report and we know that you do that's why you're listening to us please uh subscribe to us as well when you do you'll get an automatic notification when there's new content on the channel which is every week and you can also take a few minutes to rate us as well we've got some great uh ratings on uh feedback on apple podcasts and certainly would appreciate a few more we've got some nice five-star reviews you can head on over to opishows.com or wherever you find your podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify iheart google play stitcher and tune in we're available on all those platforms to search for radio misfits you can also search directly for the car guys report and we'll pop up and just remember whenever you listen to a podcast on the radio misfits podcast network it's listening on your own terms and on your own device whether it's your phone your tablet your laptop your desktop anything that you got you can listen to us on it at any time that you want you can fast forward rewind replay you can delete go back and listen to previously uh listened episodes whatever you want it's totally up to you it's listening on your own terms and of course it's totally free it's the radio misfits podcast network and that's where you'll find us the car guys report informed automotive Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, we're at that uh, part of the uh, program, Lou, where we're going to play the My Car Story guessing game. Lou has his popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou, and Lou always wants to uh, see how I decide or how I rate which car videos did well on his channel. So maybe you can explain it a little bit better than than my uh, halting uh Attempted description. I'm, I'm, you're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about three cars on the channel. Now these three cars could be on anybody else's YouTube channel and get completely different numbers. So we're specifically talking about the YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou. So I usually wait a couple of weeks so that you've got you know some bigger numbers. Now I will share with you this one. This is probably the tightest numbers. Really? Okay. Any Good. Three I've given you. Good. Usually there's a clear cut winner. Yeah. This one is not that. Okay. This one is within, these cars are all within 300 views of each other. Wow. So. Okay. Here's the first one. And again, I have no idea what Lou's given me. This is an, yeah. Yeah. Completely confidential, never shown to Mark, so he has no (laughs) idea what what I'm going to talk about. But I do give them in age order. So the oldest one, a 1969 Chevrolet Corvette, four-speed in Burgundy with an L89 427 engine. Okay. Numero numero uno. Number two, a 1971 Ford Boss 351 Mustang in black and argent. Argent is? Silver. Silver, okay. And 1979 uh, Chrysler 300 in spinnaker white. A 70, wait. A 79 Chrysler 300. I don't know what that would look like. Yeah. 79? It looks like a Cordoba. Okay, wow, that's a so, rare car. Yeah, so, well, you know, you come to my car store, yeah, I like yeah, to show you some stuff you don't see every day. So a 69 Chevrolet Corvette four-speed in Burgundy with an L89, a 71 Boss Mustang 351 in black and argent, black and silver, and a 79 Chrysler 300 in Spinnaker white. Does does the Spinnaker white have fine Corinthian leather? Uh, it might. <laughs> it, it might. Uh, you know, my heart says I want to say that was the number one one because it's so so uh, unique. But I'll go with the Boss Mustang number one. I'll go with the Cordoba number two and the Corvette number three. You were so close. All right, so number one was the correct pick. The Boss Mustang yeah. had 2,880 hits. The next one uh, in order was uh, uh, the number two was actually the Corvette. Okay. With, I almost I almost went 
that route. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted a route for that it, it 300C. Would, well, the 300C was, to your point, really unique because people would go, oh, it's a Cordoba. And then you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. 300. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that one was the... Uh, was the number three one with twenty five ninety seven? So, uh, and by the time that that people listen to this episode, it might be minute, in the number do, one position. Did, wait, did I do that right? I don't know. No, I, no, I did do it right. Okay, so let's go back. Sorry, redo, <laughs> retake. So number one is twenty eight eighty. That's the boss. Yeah. Number two is the Corvette with twenty six seventy nine, okay. and the Chrysler three hundred came in with twenty five ninety seven. Okay. But when you're talking between percentage you know, wise, very tight. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're talking within uh, 300 different views, less than 10%. So they're all winners, but uh, that was the actual order. And stay tuned next time because we'll have a clear winner in the next round. Good, good. You know, we will definitely uh, play the My Car Story guessing game in the next episode of the Car Guys Report like we always do. And just in case you're not familiar with Lou's channel, it's My Car Story with Lou. You can find it on YouTube, and he's got tens of thousands of subscribers and thousands of videos online. So it's uh, definitely worth your while uh, taking a visit to My Car Story with Lou. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, it's part two of our automotive turkeys list, and Lou's already making a funny face about that, plus a whole lot more to uh, talk to you about and tell you about. That's on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Special thanks to you. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, tune in and listen to us. Certainly do appreciate having you along for the ride. And special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with Opi Show com. Opi is the word hippo spelled backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio is dead. It just moved to a better place. And that would be radiomisfits.com. The preceding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? What do you get when you hear a celebrity minutiaman interview, Dave? Rick, think of Dan Rather and Bill Meyer having a kid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you'll get minutia. Right. What does a Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High really think about the movie? Only right? one place to find out, and that's Celebrity minutiaman Interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Lick a toilet bowl and go to the hospital. Who knew? Morgan Freeman talks about toilet paper. Strippers now deliver. My brush with Bobby Sherman. And our interview with the greatest Melania Trump impersonator the world has ever known. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. <laughs> the Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's time to get silly with cartoon fantasy rides. Plus, part two of our automotive turkeys list. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.